Get more of the backstory on our Patreon page with exclusive interviews, outtakes, and the Lost Controversial Backstory Podcast you can only get here. Support on the Backstory Bonus Level. Welcome to the Backstory Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Cole, and this episode is a really inspiring episode because we've got a new artist here who has really just kind of came upon the scene in the last few years and delivered one of the most uh, amazing songs that we have heard, haven't heard in a long time, Miss Ella May. Thank you for having me. So we're, we're booed up here in uh, New York City. And um, I just find that your story is just really amazing. And it's kind of like um, an example of music today and how you are, as an artist, how you become you know, a successful artist. It's yeah. kind of your pathway. And I think people need to know your story. So I said, let's do a podcast so you can kind of tell your story. So, yeah. and you just had such an interesting story. So you were born in London. Yeah. And you're mixed with Irish and Jamaican. Yeah. It's a lot of hot blood right there. <laughs> a lot of hot blood. Yeah. And then all of a sudden at 12 years old, your mother says, we're moving to New York City. She did, yeah. What was that like for you? It was very different. I feel like uh, my mum's a teacher, so mm-hmm. she got a job in New York, and obviously being 12 years old, you just have to go. Um, I didn't have a choice. So um, I'd visited New York a good amount of times before we moved here, because I had family here. Mm-hmm. Um, but living somewhere and visiting is two completely different things. So when I first moved, um, I moved to Jamaica, Queens, which was like completely different to what I was used to in England. Um, and I had to just go to like the local school because I came to the, I came like a little bit late in the year, so you don't really have right. a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hated it the first year. The first year I absolutely hated it. I think um, between me being like 12, 13 years old and like you know like at that age you you think you know everything or you're trying to figure out just life in general who you are as a person even though you know nothing at all. Right. Um, then being picked up and put into a completely different environment where. I was the only one, I was the only British person, you know, I would always be asked to speak and um, it was just like a lot of unwanted attention. Right. Um, on top of the fact that I was in a completely new space with like, not, I didn't know anyone, didn't have friends or anything, so it was like quite difficult the first year. Um, but once I went to high school in year nine, ninth grade, um, and I kind of was finding my feet a little bit in New York, um, I, I started to really enjoy it. So um, when you were growing up in London, though, you really admired sort of like 90s R&B. Yes. So like Mary J. Blige, Alicia Keys, Lauryn Hill. Those yes. are the kind of the artists that you like. So when you move to New York, you're kind of like in the mecca of, you know, hip hop yeah. and R&B, New York City at that time. Mm-hmm. And so how did you connect musically? I'm sure you were listening to the radio. I'm sure you were seeing how New York was kind of the center of culture. Yeah, yeah I think I think living here um, definitely opened my eyes to a lot more than I would have known if I didn't live here. If I stayed in London, I think I would, I don't think I would have different taste in music because I've, I've always been a fan of the 90s R&B just because of solely what my mum listens to. I was introduced to a lot of music from my mum. She has great taste. Right. Um, By the way, your mother named you after Ella Fitzgerald. She did, yeah. So that's super cool. And my, my brother's name is Miles after Miles Davis. Miles Davis. My parents By the way, Jeff I met Miles Davis. Did you really? I really, I I'm met jealous. him. Yes, <laughs> I met him. I'm super jealous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, my mum has great taste in music so I think um, by coming here and, and being able to kind of 
figure that stuff out for myself um, and hearing hearing stuff on the radio and being exposed to things that I, I wouldn't have been exposed to in London it was it was great and I wouldn't take I, like I always say I wouldn't take the experience back I, I love that I lived in New York because it's helped me like bridge the gap between culture I think so then um, at 17 you moved back to London yes so were you mad that you had to go back did you like were like an American at that point yeah I think it, you know what it was just a lot of back and forth I think from dealing with the fact that right I'm leaving London and I'm going to New York at 12 and I didn't really have a choice and all right and then I spent five years here and got used to it again like and I was like fully settled and then to go back to London where I left when I was 12 so as much as I had my friends there and everything like that it's almost like starting over again because now I'm 17 and I can travel by myself and Mm -hmm. I can have to get a job and stuff like that so it was like I had to relearn everything all again because I knew New York like the back of my hand I would take the train and stuff like that but I didn't know London like that because I was too young before I moved away Um, so it was just felt like a lot of like okay we've got to start again Um, meet new people and stuff like that but it definitely showed me how um, how well I'm able to adapt to situations that might not necessarily be the most comfortable situation. So somewhere around that time, though, you started to post videos of yourself singing. So as the story goes, I understand you were in the shower one day and you were singing Fetty Wap. Yeah. And then you did six, seven, nine. And you had decided that you were going to go and actually do it on Instagram. Yes. And you started posting on Instagram and your friends and other people started sharing it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of was LMA's introduction to the world. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. Crazy. Now, um, you started doing like Drake songs and um, then you did Tupac. Mm-hmm. And then that is when DJ Mustard found you. Correct. Yeah. So so what was that like when you started recording like that? Um and put, putting stuff on social media and you started to see massive reaction to little old you. Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was super surreal. I think um, putting stuff online is always very vulnerable because you just never know. You never know what to expect. And, and music and, and singing and stuff is, is all personal preference because someone could have a great voice and do great covers um, but might not necessarily make great uh, like original material. Right. Um, or it could be the other way around. We make great original material, can't, and you know that's like their thing. They stick to that, um, and it's personal preference. Everyone has different tastes, so you never you never really know what to expect. Um, but I was lucky enough to have a great reception um, from my Instagram covers and, and my friends supporting and sharing it and bringing people to my page. And people would ask me, "Oh, can you sing this?" It was like almost like I was getting requests. Um, so at the time, I didn't really know exactly what I was doing, but I knew I had to keep it up. And now, obviously, looking back, I can say, "Wow, like." Even though I didn't realize to what magnitude I was doing this at, like, I'm very glad I stuck to it. And, and this is all in a short amount of time. Like, we're not talking about 10 years ago. We're literally talking about a couple years ago because yeah, Fetty Wap is three, three, four years ago. Yeah. So then DJ Mustard, who we all know is a great producer, Mustard on the Beat, he finds you. Did you know who he was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I definitely knew who he was. I feel like anyone in this generation who doesn't know who Mustard is is, like, maybe a little bit out of touch. Right, so right, everywhere. right. Um, so I, With I, that big chain that he had, right. the mustard chain. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I was, I had to like stare at my phone for a minute, like, mm-hmm. hold on, is this real? I had to check right. on his page, make sure he had the verified tick. No catfish. And everything. Yeah, no catfish, um, but it was really him. Mm-hmm. And um, he just said to me, he was really, you know, really interested in, in working with me and how he liked my videos. Um, but he didn't know I was from England, right. which a lot of people don't, still don't know. Um, right. Because when I sing, you can't tell. So, uh I happened to be in New York around this time, September 2015, um, and he was in Philadelphia for Made in America. Yep. So he drove from Made in America, um, I think it was the night before he played Made in America, um, to come and do a session with me. And I didn't have any type of situation, I didn't have management, anything. I took 
three of my friends because I didn't want to go by myself. Right, right. And I was like, I hope this. And you weren't glammed up or nothing. You were just like a regular roundaway girl. To be honest, I'm never really that glammed up. Right. I'm, I'm so laid back, so right. I, I kind of just like I was apprehensive because I didn't know what to expect. Right. And I was just hoping that he didn't think like this is too much work considering I didn't have a manager or anything right, like that. Right. But at the time, I didn't know he was looking to sign someone. He just mm-hmm. wanted to work out. It could have turned into me making demo tracks and him giving it to someone else. You know, right, I, never, right. I never expected for it to be what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm super grateful to Tomasa because he's always believed in me from the start, seen the vision, um, and always supported me wholeheartedly. So I appreciate yeah. him so much. So he then signed you. Yes. And then you decide to do this th- this trilogy EP, right? So you got um, Time, chain, uh, time, which is sort of like dealing with a breakup. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, uh, Change. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of like your California experience because you ended up moving to California, which pr- pretty must must have been blowing your yeah. mind. Like, yeah, oh, my God, I'm, I'm living in California. <laughs> yeah. what, a, what a life you've had in the last few years. I know. And then Ready, because then you were on tour when Ready came out. Yes. So talk to us a little bit about that experience, about going from singing on social media, mm-hmm. working with DJ Mustard, and now all of a sudden you can pull up the phone and LMA is there. Like, yeah. now you're putting music out. What yeah. was that like? Um, it was definitely something that happened so quickly and I was just, like, trying to take everything in all at once. Like, wow, this is really happening. Like you said, to type in my name on, on a phone and see um, my songs there were, was completely different because I wasn't used to it at all. Um, but I was so happy because it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, but yeah, the, the experience of Time Changing Ready were um, those times when I was back and forth to LA before I moved there. Mm-hmm. So Mustard and I, um, if you condense all the time together, it was in five weeks, basically. The first time I went was for a week, and the second and third time for two weeks. So five weeks, and that's when we made Time Changing Ready. Right. So it wasn't, um, we were just making songs. We didn't say like, right, we're going to make three EPs, and we're going to do this and do that. We just made songs, and it ended up us being able to put the songs together and create the three EPs. Um, But we definitely wanted to create EPs um, to kind of introduce my sound more before we did an album or anything. I wanted people to get familiar with who I was and my sound. Um, But yeah, I I had so much fun making them. And and a lot of people ask me, why did I have like one word titles? Um, But Time Change and Ready both have double meanings. Um, They're the content of what the EP is about. And also, like you said, we've changed like the time in my life. Um, what exactly was going on so um, I love those bodies of work I think they'll always be my babies and yeah so um, so then there's this song that's <laughs> that's just there called Boot Up right yeah, yeah. and uh, we're gonna get into this because this song really changed your life but 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 what's interesting about the song is you didn't write the song but you sang the song like it was so organic the song mm-hmm. is very organic and I want to I want to take you to a week ago at the American Music Awards. And I had this experience. First of all, um, Boot Up is like me and my daughter. My daughter's 12. Yeah. So that's like our song. Yeah. So when it comes <laughs> on, we so laugh. Cute. Yeah, we, we, we come on, we laugh. We, you know, we, we have fun around that song. Mm-hmm. And my wife doesn't like the song. <laughs> well, no, she likes the song. She just, it's not her thing. It's yeah. our that's thing. Fine, yeah. So I took my daughter to the BET Awards. So we were sitting at the BET Awards and we were literally right in front of you on that stage that they had yeah. you in the corner. And she was so excited wherever you were performing. And I actually took a video in the room because your song kind of like it doesn't happen this often and I don't know if you realize this yet and you may 
years down the line. But the song kind of touches everybody. Mm. And you start seeing people like random people, like they're lost in a trance singing the song. Yeah. And so flashback to a week ago at the American Music Awards, and it's like 21 Savage is singing Boot Up. <laughs> the uh, Florida uh, Country Blam Align, yeah. whatever those people, they're singing the song. <laughs> Everybody, black, white, whoever in the audience is singing the song, yeah. but like singing it, not like I'm just singing the song, right. but they're almost singing or singing it over you. Yeah. How does that make you feel like when you see the, this, the impact that is one record? It's incredible. I think um, when, I, when the record first got brought to me, Joel James, uh, it was a demo, but it wasn't finished. Um, so my, I remember Master bringing it to me and was like, do you like this? And I sat there and I listened to it and I, and I was like, yeah, I really like this song. Mm-hmm. It was just, there was just something about it. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but there was something about it. So I went in the studio and I finished it. I put my own little touch on it, um, created a bridge. There was no bridge in it before. So just I just kind of like made it whole. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put this on ready, which is the third EP. Mm-hmm. And um, little did I know, because I don't think anyone, any of us expected, especially from a new R&B artist. Um, yeah. This is almost unheard of. With a sort of throwback sound. Yeah. So this was like you growing up in between London and the United States being a 90s R&B baby. I mean, Lauren Hill, Alicia Keys, all these people that you love. And then you make this sort of throwback song at a time for somebody like me in radio where, you know, R&B is hard now. Like, it's yeah. not it is, it's not like warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And you make this song and then um, uh, shout out to my man Big Vaughn at KML out in the Bay Area. Yeah. So he was at a club. Mm -hmm. Somebody, he didn't even know what the song was. Somebody came up to him in the club and asked for the song. And he was like, what are you talking about? Plays the song. He said it was like the, the, like a big thug dude. He's like, he's like, you would have never expected that this guy would. But again, that touches on what you were saying. It just touches everyone. Right. No matter race, anything. Right. And then. He starts playing it on the radio, and then um, our stations in uh, in Houston, the box in mm-hmm. Houston, and yeah. our station in Dallas, um, the beat in Dallas, started playing the song. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of our stations started playing it because I remember we would have these calls with the program directors. And um, Terry Thomas, our program director in um, Houston, she was like, um, this is a song called Boot Up, guys. I'm just telling you, like, I, you put it on the radio and I promise you people will react. And sometimes, you know, programmers be like, oh, God, everybody says that. Yeah. And then you literally put the song on the radio and everybody reacts. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden your life is, is just you, complete 180. Yeah, complete 180. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you have this song. It's a warm and fuzzy song. It just takes off. It's a multi-format smash, mm-hmm. crossing all barriers, race, <laughs> religion, all. I mean, I mean, there's people all over the world that love this song. So tell me some boot up stories, because I'm sure there's been some moments where you would just like you didn't realize how this song would impact somebody or something or something you saw. Yeah, it's been it's been incredible to watch, honestly, like even trying to like take myself out of it and just really watch really watch like how everyone um, reacts and even like you said at the BET Awards um, that was my first like award show that was my first award show ever but first like award show appearance and the moment the intro started everybody stood up yep. and I was just like I, I was on stage kind of taken back so I didn't expect it at all and we were mad because you should have been in the middle like why were you off to the side like you was one of these emerging ar- artists no you got the biggest song in the country right now was, there, was we, a lot of, yeah. there was a lot of people that said the same thing yeah. but you know I said like I don't make the rules I just yeah, yeah. like I was happy to even be on the stage and you right. know was, um, I grew up watching the BET Awards so I was happy regardless mm-hmm. um, but I was happy that people also felt like that as well because it kind of gave me like okay people really do 
believe in this song um, and believe in me. And then again at the American Musical was I, I wanted to start in in the audience because I was like this is the song this is a song for the people. I want right. people. I don't want to do you know this big stage production. I want it to be about people enjoying the song and being able to showcase that while I'm there with the camera. And that's exactly what happened. Like you said, Twenty One Savage, um, Migos, um, yeah. just a whole bunch of people just Khalid enjoying the song. Yeah. Um, so there's been plenty of moments. I think my favorite one I would probably have to say is when I see and I've seen this a couple of times, but seen videos of people at their weddings dancing to it. Wow. Like in the re- wedding reception, um, just like I don't, I don't think it's a first dance, but you know, like when you're um, just after the first dance, when you're still on the right. floor, and, and mm. I think that touched me the most because I was like, a wedding is such a huge part in someone's life. You you don't ever forget your wedding. Right. Um, so to be able to be a part of somebody's biggest moment of their life is is an incredible feeling. Man, that's I mean, it's just and and it's going to be a timeless song. Like you're going to you. be able to live off of that song for the rest Thank of your you. life. Like you. you know, you're going to be eighty and performing boot up. I know. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to be performing this for the rest of my life. So, but you sing this. So you didn't write the song. So my point going back before a few minutes ago, you didn't really write the song, but you sang the song so personally. Like yeah. you were. Were you talking to somebody when you sang the song? One hundred percent. I think that's why the song resonated with me so much. Okay. Also. Um, when like when mustard brought me the demo, I think I was just like, this is exactly how I feel, right. and that's why it was easy for me to relate to and easy for me to to create um, in, in my own way because I that was how I was feeling. Right. And um, I mean, I think I think the the, the song even would have been fine without like without a bridge because it's just that type of song. But I, I did want to put my own little personal spin on it as well and just add to it. Um, and funny enough, one of the one of everyone's favorite parts in the song is the Buddha, Buddha, Buddha yeah, yeah, bridge, yeah, like yeah. that that last yeah. part, um, because it's so reminiscent and nostalgic. So yeah, um, right. definitely from personal experience. Yeah. So have you um, tell me about your friends in New York mm-hmm. that you kind of came up with, and your friends in London? How has that those relationships been with this success? Did everybody kind of like support you? Did you know? Do you have this like yeah. uh, groundswell behind you? I'm very blessed and lucky to have amazing friends and amazing family in New York and in London um, that have supported me when no one was listening and Mm -hmm. and support me the same way now when people are listening Um, I recently I just had my release party uh, for the album two days ago now yesterday two days ago Mm -hmm. and uh, my friends from London flew out Um, my friends from New York flew out all to LA because they just wanted to be a part of it and and even my manager was like did you pay for everyone to be here I said I didn't pay a dime like everyone flew on their own money got Airbnbs got hotels like just because they wanted to be a part of it and because they've been a part of my whole journey from the time when I was doing Instagram covers and sharing my covers and I I never shared any of my covers to anyone so without my friends doing it I don't know if it would have maybe reached the masses that it did Um, and I'm forever grateful to have such a great support system well and and, and the song um, and I told you this in Philly a couple weeks ago when I saw you I was like it's one of the most streamed R&B songs in history because R&B songs don't stream and so for you to have like a top 10 streaming song in America that doesn't make it's all hip hop or top 40 right Right? And so now you come with now. Was there was there hesitation? Were you nervous about the next single because Boot Up was so big? Mm-hmm. And and so tell us about Trip because yeah. you come with Trip. Um, Trip is actually one of my favorites today. I think um, there's something about Trip. Um, it's, there's just a feeling in it um, that resonates with me really really well. And I think um, I think a lot of people say the same thing. They don't know what it is about Trip, but there's just something there. And um, it, from the outside looking in, you would think that there was a lot of pressure. And there probably, actually, there probably was a lot of pressure um, because Boot Up was so big. But I, um, 
I kind of made sure I didn't put too much pressure on myself. And, and like I said, having mustered around, um, he never really puts pressure on me. He is, it's easier to deal with things because as, having him as a mentor, he's, he's been through this. He had a huge year where he had however many songs on the radio and it's like um, that same type of pressure. Right. Um, so having him to kind of coach me through it has, has helped a lot. Um, and his success kind of came out of nowhere. He just, he had a couple songs that just blew up and changed yeah. his life. Right, yeah. So he can relate to so that. He, yeah, it's a yeah. similar situation. Um, but yeah, we just made sure, he just said to me, listen, like just continue to make music that you love. And um, as long as you love it and, and, you, and you believe in it and I believe in it and, and the whole team is on the same page, and we'll put it out and, and we'll see what it does. I mean, I always say, um, if, if, any, if, like, if Trip doesn't do what Boot Up did or is doing, then that's fine. It doesn't mean it's unsuccessful because it didn't do what Boot Up did. It's just that Boot Up is super successful. And um, as I, like I said before, I think as long as I believe in it and, and my team believes in it, and there's a meaning behind the song and there's a reason I put it out, then that's what matters. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was just having this conversation with um, Kwame, mm -hmm. the producer and the artist Kwame. Yeah. I saw him over the weekend and we were just talking about, um, we were talking about the Quincy Jones documentary. Have mm -hmm. you seen it yet? I haven't. I need oh, to see it. Oh, you got to see it. So we were talking about Michael Jackson and it's like, okay, um, people always like to say that Bad was a disappointment, mm -hmm. but Bad sold like 30 million copies. Because it's Michael Jackson. Yeah, but it's like, you had a moment like Thriller. It's okay. I mean, Thriller is like a once in a lifetime, you know, amazing moment. I mean, shoot, Off the Wall was amazing, right? But it's still very successful. And it's like in this industry, sometimes people just put this bar and it's like, sometimes you can have an amazing moment and you can still be successful, mm -hmm. but it's just never going to be right. that high again. But that's fine because you reached a height that nobody else has reached right. before. I think it's the same with Drake. It's similar with yeah. Drake. I think people are super harsh on Drake because he consistently and... It's extremely hard. People don't realize, but it's extremely hard to put, consistently put out songs that do numbers like what Drake does. Um, 11 years strong. Right. Yeah. And people hold you to such a high standard and expect so much from you that the moment something isn't... It could be right underneath that standard that they hold you to, but because it's not on that same level, it's automatically trash or unsuccessful, which is, is not true because the being, even if you're right below, you're above a whole bunch of other people. So I think people just... Judge you, judge you harshly on what you've done before because because they can really because you've done it. But like you said, you've done it. So your album's been out for about three or four days now. Yeah. So tell me about the social media reaction to your album. Tell I know you've been like watching it. You've been busy, yeah. but yeah. how's that been? Just kind of paying attention to what people are saying about your the album, this art that you created, this debut album. It's been amazing, honestly. I think um, I felt so many different emotions in the last week, just all in one, like being excited, being nervous, being anxious, being ready, being like, uh, just, all right, like it just needs to come out now. Right. Um, the, excuse me, the last couple of hours, in, like before it came out, I was like, I was like, okay, this just needs to come out, this needs to come out. So um, to see the reaction that I've had on social media and to see that everyone has a different favorite song um, and everyone, like, the different lyrics connect with everyone very differently, but they all love it. It's been incredible to watch. I'm so grateful um, because this, this body of work really is like my baby. I really put my heart and soul into it, and I think it really is me as a person. Like, I, that's why I wanted, to, wanted it to be self-titled because I think it really is an introduction to who I am as a person as well as an artist, um, and I'm so glad that everyone loves it. So 
um, early on, you had so much love for all these artists, but now all of these same artists have so much love for you. So what is that like? So, for instance, um, Chris Brown was one of the early artists that liked Boot Up and was Mm -hmm. playing it on his own social media. Way before anyone else. And now you have a song with him on the new album. It's insane to think about, to be honest, because I've been the biggest Chris Brown fan since I was like 11 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember the very first concert I went to was his here in Madison Square Garden when I first moved to New York in 2007. Um, and I remember it like it was yesterday and I went with my cousin and I was just so excited um, and I was all the way like my mum got it for me as a Christmas present um, and I was all the way like super high up like couldn't really see I could see but couldn't really see but being 12 or actually I just turned 13 wow. um, and seeing someone who you just look up to like there was one point where all I listened to was Chris Brown um, so to then have to then go in the studio with him or even before the studio to have him playing my stuff on Instagram and saying how much he loves my music. Um, it was so surreal because it's like, uh, I'm supposed, to, especially the other way around, like I'm supposed to be the one that's a super fan girl, and I still am. Right. And, and being in the studio just just um, kind of reignited that, that, um, that flame for me because just to see him work, so hold, like to listen to the songs and love the songs and love him as an artist is one thing, but to be able to see that person work in their natural like environment was in, it was incredible to watch. He can do stuff in two. So seconds. what was that moment like then when, you, when you meet him and he's a fan of you? What, how does that feel? Yeah, it was crazy. I remember I, I remember it so clearly because I was like gearing myself up like right, right okay, I'm gonna right, walk into the studio, right, right, be in there, right. like let me just chill, let me act cool. Right. And when I walked in, I geared myself up, and he was actually in the booth. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I just, I just sat down and like had to kind of gear myself up again when I knew he was coming out of the booth, but he was. He was honestly so lovely. He he came out and gave me a hug, and he was like, "Nice to meet you." Like I've been I've been waiting to work with you for a while now, um, and just telling me his favorite songs and and um, just talking. And he and he, he's like a big like he jokes a lot. He's like a big kid, so it was just fun. it was a fun environment to be in and to be able to work with him together on that. Like we actually work on that song with him is something that I'll never forget. And the song is a little risque. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not booed up. It's definitely not booed up. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's about two people that are in a relationship that love like each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's I think it's a it's a fun one. I right. think I don't think people should look into it too deeply. It's definitely. Um, it's definitely about uh, you know a secret romance, but it hasn't. If you really listen to the words, it hasn't got there yet. Mm-hmm. It's just like we're we're conversing about it. We're we're trying to figure out if this is the right thing to do because we kind of know it's not the right thing, but we like each other so much that you know like that was that's what the content is about. And um, I remember I had the song already when I took it to Chris, and um, I did it a while ago. But I knew I just wanted him on it. I didn't want anyone else. To. So you gave the idea to him. Well, yeah, we had the song, uh-huh. and when I made it, Mustard, I said to Mustard, I want Chris on this, but it was it was a while ago, so right. we were like, we didn't want to have such a huge feature or look so early and have it overshadow everything that we were trying to do. So it kind of came at the perfect time because Chris was listening to me on Instagram and stuff, so it came organically. And I remember playing him maybe like the first 30 seconds of the song. We weren't even really into the song. He was like, I love it. I'm going in the booth right now. Wow. Like, so yeah, it was, it, it was incredible. So, um, Mary, did you meet Mary? I haven't met her yet. You have not met Mary yet? I haven't, and I'm dying to. Mary, where are you? Really? <laughs> yeah, I haven't met her yet. What about Lauren Hill? I haven't met Lauren Hill either. Alicia Keys? Nope. Really? I, I met Mariah Carey the other day, which okay. was amazing. I was like, whoa, this is, this is insane. Um, right. But yeah, I haven't met Lauren, um, Mary, or Alicia Keys yet. Do you sometimes pinch yourself to think this is all a dream, what's happening to you? It, every day. Every yeah. day I kind of have to take a step back and be like, wow, wait, is this... Because, you know, I think everything happens so fast, you don't always get the moment to really take take a step back and be like, this is really happening. Um 
but I think especially with releasing the album I, and this is something that I've like dreamed about my whole life I really had to step back and be like I'm actually really proud of myself because this is something that I've wanted to do my whole life and I'm and I'm living it right now it's not a dream anymore right. even though it feels like a dream it's right. like this is something that I wanted to do my whole life and I'm actually being able to do it and, and not a lot of people get to do that so I'm super grateful and, and so thankful so um, the album is out right now. It is, and you're doing dates with Bruno Mars. I am. Oh my god, it's that's insane. like yeah. I mean, it's just like it just keeps coming. It keeps on coming. Keeps on coming. Bruno is amazing. His show, so much energy. Like the show is incredible. He's an incredible vocalist. I love his his work. Um, Twenty Four Karat Magic. The album is insane, um, and he's just a lovely guy. I'm so grateful to be on the tour. Wow. I mean, and you and you know, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because I feel like um, I, I come across. A million LMAs mm-hmm. every day <laughs> on social media. They DM me mm-hmm. like, I want you to listen to my music. And people have a lot of self-doubt, like mm-hmm. artists, mm-hmm. you know, creatives, because there's always somebody telling them that they're an awful or mm-hmm. they're not great. And I wanted you to just kind of give an inspiring word to any artist out there, because your story is it's just what it's all about now. Mm-hmm. So if you could inspire some young artists out there that's making songs on the Internet mm-hmm. that to believe. I think it just all really starts with yourself and what you believe and, and how you feel about it and I think um, I think especially for me when I was doing my covers put, obviously putting anything on, on the internet is, is very you're, you're just completely vulnerable because people can say whatever they want and you don't know these people um, and they can comment and try and tear you down but I, I've always said and I've always been a strong believer in the fact that if you, be, if you believe in it and um, it's re- like it really means something to you then it doesn't really matter what anyone else says. Like it might, it, stuff might not happen straight away, um, but as long as you still believe, then then there's always a way. And I think that's that's what kept me going. Also, with my 15 second covers, like you said, there's loads of people that do covers on Instagram, on on YouTube, and stuff like that. Um, but you really have to be determined, and you really have to believe in yourself in order to. Get, I feel like you have to believe it to see it. Mm-hmm. And so you live in, in LA now. Yes. So what is life for you like in LA? Because I was reading that you like actually go and you know you go to Starbucks, you walk mm-hmm. around. So is, has your life kind of like changed? So people come up to you everywhere you go now. Yeah, every, people do come up to me, but um, it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think I can still I can still go and get my shopping, my groceries. Um, you go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. so I can go through Whole Foods and I see LMA. Yeah, really. Yeah, and I think and I think. It's so funny to watch people's reactions because I think people second guess. They're like, "Wait, is that that can't be her?" Because right. she wouldn't be. Yeah, here. why would she be here? Um, but I try and I try and keep my life as normal as possible. You know, I'm I'm 23. Like I still have so much to learn and so much to see, and I don't want to be just clouded and constantly like feel like I'm trapped. So as long as it's a safe environment, um, then I'll make sure I go and. And what did you do with your first spoils of success? You get the first big check, or if you haven't gotten it yet, sometimes you haven't gotten it, but what have you spoiled yourself with? Um, my puppy. Yeah, I got a puppy. He's seven months old. His name is Thierry. He's a French bulldog, and he is the best thing that you'll ever meet in your life. Really? So who takes care of the puppy? Because you're always on the road. No, I mean, he he has like a little daycare that he goes to when I'm not there, mm-hmm. um, or he'll stay with a friend or something, but... Um, when I am home, I make sure he's with me 24-7. Wow. And I just, actually, I just got um, his documentation, so he can come with me now. Oh, wow. So, LMA, thank you for coming on the Backstory Podcast. Thank Again, a very inspiring story. Thank you. The new album is out right now. Please make sure you go listen to it, LMA. And you're on tour. And you actually did your own tour earlier this year. I did, yeah. And I saw your tour dates because I was trying to book you earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And you were, like, every day for, like, three months. That yeah. must have been insane. Well, it was, no, the, my, my own tour was only three weeks 
Oh, right, well, three weeks yeah, rather. Yeah. Yeah. My my own tour was only three weeks, but it was like back to yeah, back every day, knocking it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I love touring. It's it's one of my favorite parts of it to be on stage and have people sing the words back to you and just the energy in all the different cities and and going to places that you haven't been before. Yeah. Um, it's it's been amazing and meeting all these people. Um, and I'm super excited to tour this album. I can't wait. And, and we got to get you to Lauren Hill. Yes. And we got to get you to Alicia Keys. Yes, and Mary. And Mary. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And have those moments. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe make, a, maybe make a song. Oh, That I, would be awesome. I would love to. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss LMA. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Pick up the new album. It's available right now. Coming up on the next Backstory Podcast. Hello. Yeah. Kobe. Yes. The next voice you hear would be the President of the United States. Hi, Kobe. Yeah. This is Barack. Hey, Barack, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Get more of the backstory on our Patreon page with exclusive interviews, outtakes, and the Lost Controversial Backstory Podcast you can only get here. Support on the Backstory Bonus Level. Thank you for listening to the Backstory Podcast. I'm Colby Cole.